Open up your Bibles, please, to John 15, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Somebody say, fruitful for God. We want to talk today about bearing fruit. No coincidence, God is moving in this service the way He is, because today's message is about you bearing fruit. Look at verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Who said that word, I am the true vine? Who is that? Everybody say, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. The Bible says, I am the true vine, talking uh, for Jesus, and my Father is the gardener. Now look what he does, verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears what? No fruit. Amen. While every branch that does bear fruit, he what? Prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will what? Come on, there's the deal right there. Everyone, just look at me real quick. There's the deal with Jesus. You remain in Him, He'll what? Come on, somebody, remain in Jesus. Look at your neighbor say, remain in Jesus. Oh, praise God. You remain in Him, He'll remain in you. Look what it says. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in Me. I wish I had time to read the whole entire passage. Read John 15 when you have time. But Jesus commands us to be fruitful. You are not to be some fruitless little vine out there in the vineyard. You are to be bearing fruit. When I look at people's lives and there's no fruit, you know what i got to check? The root. Because if there's no fruit, that means the root is bad. Are you all with me? So sometimes we got to check the root to see why there's no fruit. And there's things that will come into our lives that will keep us from being fruitful. There are temptations. Let me just back up and say this. Do you know that the devil's not afraid by you coming to church? Now, I know some of you will say the devil tried to stop you this morning, and I know that's a big deal, and you had to go through everything just to get here, and we're so happy you're here, okay? But you understand that the devil could be happy with you just coming here? What he doesn't want you to do is change the world. What he doesn't want you to do is become fruitful. If you're going to be a vine, then be one that doesn't bear fruit. If you're going to be plugged into Jesus, then be somebody that's ineffective. You understand what I'm saying? The worst thing that the devil fears is somebody that's effective for God. Somebody that can actually bring somebody else into the kingdom. See, then they start bearing fruit, and the devil starts getting upset with them. That's why when many of you go into leadership class, and when you start doing ministry, you start facing temptation. You know why? Because the devil sees you now wanting to impact the world. You know, once you were coming to church, that was a struggle, but it's a whole nother test. It's a whole nother set of trials that come into your life when you want to change the world for Jesus. Somebody say, fruitful. Look at what he says. He says, those who abide in him will bear fruit. And every branch that, it, that does not bear fruit gets what? Everybody say cut off. Who does the cutting? Does the Bible say devil does the cutting? I want you to listen to me. The devil cannot cut anybody here off. Some people make the devil much bigger than he is. Sometimes I talk to people, and they say, Oh, pastor, the problems in my life, they're so big. Ah! And God is so And I don't know how I'm going to make it. That's not true. God is not this big in the devil and the world and temptation and your friends and your family. So big. No, God is so big and the devil is so small that you can stop on him in Jesus' name. But he, God, is the one who cuts. Some people think that the devil sends people to hell. Everyone listen to me. The devil does not send you to hell. The devil is not the creator of hell. The devil does not have authority in hell. The one that is in charge of hell, the one that does the damning to hell, is God himself. 
That is a fearful thought. The Bible actually says that. We are to fear God. We love and respect Him as a father. But as I love my father, I feared if I didn't do my chores because he would come home with the belt. Anybody understand what I'm talking about here? Anybody disciplined as a child? Well, I love God as a father, and I understand He's a loving God, but I also fear Him as a judge. This is a promise. Listen to it. He says, verse 2, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Some people have taught a lie. Let me tell you what this lie is. You can be a Christian and sin and live however you want and still get to heaven. Everybody say, that's a lie. It's not what the Bible said. He said right here, you can be in me. So that means you're a Christian. You can be in God. You can be plugged into Jesus. You can say, man, I prayed a prayer. I've been baptized, I believe. And you can be plugged into God. And the Father can look at you and not see your life the way it's supposed to be and cut you off, damn you to hell. Somebody say, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a mighty God. Amen. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Now look at it. It says, he cuts off everyone that bears no fruit. God does the cutting. But here's the good part, and here's what I want to talk to you today about. The one that bears fruit, he prunes them. Come on, somebody say pruned. Somebody say, I got pruned. Amen. It doesn't always feel good to get pruned, right? You've been pruned before. I've been pruned. Listen, he says he prunes them so that they will be more fruitful. Here's my question to you. Do you feel God pruning you? Do you ever feel God changing you? He looks at an attitude inside of you and he says, mm, I don't like that. Snip. And like, What's going on? Let me tell you how God does stuff like that. You pray a prayer, Lord, make me patient. What does he do? He puts you next to a jerk at work and he says, I'm going to snip that attitude right out of you. I'm going to make you patient. Hello? We say, Lord, I want to be, you know, I want to be a person of love. He brings somebody unlovable into your life. And then once your little attitude starts to spring up like a little, like a little offshoot, what does he do? He starts snipping it off. But what's the point? So we can bear fruit. Everybody say, be fruitful. There's two ways I want you to look at fruit today. Number one, God wants you to have the fruit of the Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And the second thing, God wants your life to impact others and people are fruit in your life. But first of all, let's talk about your character. Go to Galatians chapter 5, one of Nancy's favorite passages in the whole Bible. She would love to preach this. She she loves this passage. Galatians 5, verse 19, we'll talk about the bad stuff and then we'll get to the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say, fruit of the Spirit. Acts, uh, rather, Galatians 5.19 says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. So here's the sin that will come out of our life if we don't have God snip us and make us holy. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Debauchery means to be at parties, by the way. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Faction is another way of having jealousy, arguing, you know. Verse 21, envy, drunkenness. And orgies, somebody say orgies, just in case you didn't know if that was sinful, orgies are sinful, everybody say it's sinful, that's your Bible by the way, nothing's changed my friend in 2,000 years, and the like, as I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not, what, inherit the kingdom of God, so that means if you are a Christian, you say you love God and you begin to live like this, put it in context of John 15, what happens, you get cut off. So what happens if pastor here, I want to start having an affair, start committing adultery? What if I want to start becoming sexually immoral, looking at pornography? What does the Bible say I need to fear? 
being cut off. Somebody say cut off. What happens if you allow your temper to get the best of you? You allow bitterness to get into your life. You allow the lifestyle of anger to get inside of you. You don't allow God to prune it, but you keep it. What will happen? You'll get cut off. Somebody say cut off. This is a serious thing. I want you to take this seriously today because your salvation is at stake. I understand we're saved by grace. That means you do not make yourself saved. But the Bible says once you are saved, it's your job to remain in Him. It's your choice. God doesn't make me be a Christian today. God did not make me come up here and pray. God did not make me decide to do the right things for the last 13 years. God's given me a choice. And the choice is for you as well. He says to you, you remain in me, I remain in you. You don't do the things I ask you to do, I cut you off. Come on, you thought the Sopranos were kind of tough. Jesus is kind of tough. Let's just be real right here. Yeah, I cut you off, eh? Throw you out there to the dogs, right? That's what he says. You mess up, I cut you off. That's it. You remain in me. Everything's good. Because here's the thing. You might say, well, pastor, I'm not perfect. Pastor, I struggle. Okay, this is fine. Because if you remain in him, he'll, he'll do what? He'll prune you. He'll start dealing with those issues. So as long as you're with God, you're being pruned. Okay, Lord, I'm struggling with sexual immorality. I'm struggling. And God, I'm giving it to you. I'm repenting. I'm, I'm available to what you want to do. And you allow him to prune you. When I first got saved, you know, I struggled with sexual immorality like any man. And all the men said, Amen. Amen. I know that men, you are like me, right? Okay. We have no eunuchs here, right? If anybody knows what a eunuch is, come see me after church. I'll tell you what a eunuch is, okay? Listen, I struggled with that. So what did God say to me? This is what God said. Don't watch movies. But I love movies, right? But God was telling me that at that time, movies were going to produce bad fruit in me. It was going to make me barren. I was going to become a bad vine. That that would lead me back to my lifestyle, sexual immorality. You know, watching these provocative movies, watching things that would tempt me. God told me to throw away all my secular music. Now, is, is that necessarily a sin? You know, is that a sin for everybody? You can't ever watch a movie again. You can't watch Transformers, Bambi. You can't, you know, listen to some Christian, uh, you know, love song or non, I mean, non-Christian love song. Is that a law? No. But God told me, don't do that. You know why? Because those things would have produced bad fruit and got cut off. Here's the thing. Character is built in your life over a lifetime with Christ. And what he does is he deals with the things in your life. Okay? He deals with the things that you're going through. So maybe sexual immorality is not a big thing for you. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's some of the things we just read here. Jealousy. So you know what God's going to do? God's going to say, don't let anything come out of your mouth unless it's good. And all of a sudden you're like, but I've I got to tell them something. I've got to help them. I gotta, you know. And God's like, no, this is your discipline. Here's what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to prune you. I'm going to snip you. You can't talk anymore unless you say something good, right? Or he may say to you, hey, don't hang out with that friend. Because every time you get on the phone with that friend, you start talking, you start gossiping. He says, cut it off or I'll cut you off. It's a choice. You see, remaining in God is a choice. It's a choice like any other thing. I, I made a choice to remain married to my wife. Amen? You make a choice to remain loyal to your friends. It's always a choice. The relationship you have with God is a choice. Somebody say it's a choice. Now look what will happen in your life. Verse 22 of Galatians 5. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Someone say the fruit of the Spirit. Where does that fruit come from? The what? The Spirit. Come on, say it again. Where does that fruit come from? The Spirit. Bible says we're to be fruitful, right? Here's how we're to be fruitful. Bearing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many could use some of that fruit today? Would you say in your life right now you have that and perfection, you're done, you don't need any more? Yeah. 
Come on. We, mo- we all need more self-control. There's things that we do that we ought not to do. You know, we have bad habits. Some, some it may be sleeping in. Some it may be just negative talk. Other things about patience. You know, how many could use some more patience today? Amen. Big hand going up for me right here. Ugh, patience. Take some of that and eat it. Fruit, right? Maybe I can get some from Nancy because she has a lot of patience. All of us are a vine connected to Jesus, and we are to be bearing this in our life as fruit. Love should be growing in you. You should have more love today than you did the day you got saved. You should be growing in patience. You should be growing in long-suffering, or another word for that is perseverance. Now I want you to do something for me. Check your fruit. Just think mentally in your heart right now, in your mind. How are you doing in these things? How's your love fruit doing? How's your joy? Have you let life get you down? What about peace? Are you at turmoil? What about patience? Kindness. How kind are you? How kind do you treat others? Goodness. Give yourself a grade. Maybe put a little note next to these things as I say them. One to ten. Ten being the highest. One being the worst. Little withered, little withered up grape on the vine. Come on. Gentleness. Self-control. What God is looking for is people like you and I who say, Lord, bear this fruit in me. It's us saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to love all the time. I, I get frustrated. I, I get discouraged. People hurt me. You know, the Bible says, listen how much love, look how, look how much fruit we're supposed to have of love. We're supposed to love our enemies. Hello, does that come easy? Man, if it's easy for you, you don't have some of the enemies I have, okay? We need to trade, all right? Because it's, ah, Jesus, smite them down to the depths of hell. But I love them. Come on, man. We, we need more love. God is wanting to develop that. And he, this is what he's saying. He's saying, you know, the ones of us here, the ones of you who, who want to do that, he says, I'm going to prune you. That means I'm going to keep taking things out of your life that hinder that. So you can bear more fruit. And whenever you find yourself going through a test, and we all go through them, we get tested in our patience. We get tested in our self-controls. Many of us over Christmas, Thanksgiving, tested in self-control. Amen? We need to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm available. Prune me. Make me the person you want me to be. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now let's turn to our next scripture where I really wanted to talk to us today, which is being fruitful and winning people to Christ. Turn with me to... Uh, Colossians chapter 1. This was was on my heart today, and that's why I say that the Lord did not, uh, this is no coincidence that I felt so grieved that we needed to pray, and many of you needed to repent of your sins. And you know who you are, and live for God. Don't come back here that way. Live for God the right way. We'll welcome you as a dirty, rotten sinner, but we love you better as a Holy Ghost-filled saint. Amen? And if you don't think you're a dirty, rotten sinner, you just got to be honest with how you live. One sin is gross in the eyes of God. Have I sinned? Amen. Have you sinned? Have have we been forgiven? Are we being pruned? Amen. And how does our fruit taste? That's a good question. We should ask some people around us. Ask your neighbor, how's my fruit? Maybe they know. I think, Nancy, your fruit's good. Joselito's got some good fruit of patience. He's a real patient guy. Look at me. look, Look at me. Look at Colossians with me. Chapter 1, verse 6. Look at how Paul describes his life and what the life of a Christian is. We know that we're supposed to have character, and I could spend all day talking about our character, but really I want to spend a little bit more time on this. Back up to, uh, let's say, verse 3. Let's get the context. Colossians 1, verse 3. 
We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints and the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about and that you have already heard about in the word of truth. So everyone just look up here real quick. What's happening is Paul saying, man, every time I pray for you guys in Colossae, that's the name of the city, he says, I am thankful for you. And he says, I can see that there's love, there's hope in you springing forth out of the word that you have that you're going to heaven. Okay, so now let's look to uh, the next verse, verse 6. It says, that has come to you all over the world, this gospel is bearing what? Let's read that again. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and is growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the what? You see how it all connects together? Not only are we to be fruitful in our inward expression as Christians, we are to be expressing some good characteristics. I'm supposed to be loving. You're supposed to be patient. Not only are we supposed to be having fruit that comes from us and and our character, but we're supposed to be bearing fruit in the gospel. Look at how Paul uh, singles out this man right here. Look at the honor he pays him. First of all, his name is Epaphras. And what is he called? He's called a dear fellow servant. Is he a dear fellow master? Is he a crooked boss? Is he a shady pastor or televangelist? How does Paul refer to this man that helps this church? What does he call him? A dear fellow servant. Is that how you are in Metro Praise? Are you a dear fellow servant? Now look at the next description of him. He is a faithful what? Minister of Christ on our behalf. So who was Epaphras? He probably was no different than Ish, than then Robin, then Ricky or Rachel, then many others of you here that said, hey, I want to serve God at Metro Praise. I want to help out. I don't want to just come and be served. I want to be a dear fellow servant. I want to be a minister. You know, a minister is just another word for a servant, but it's in a spiritual context. So Epaphras is not just walking around, you know, with a, you know, a cup of water, how may I serve you, like a waiter. No, a minister is serving, saying, how can I pray for you? How can I teach you? How can I help you? Now, let me ask you a question. Let's see if there's any theologians here. Do you ever know what happened to Epaphras? Does anybody know anything more about him? Could you even show me a verse in the Bible where his name appears again? This is the only time he's mentioned. One time, and who he's mentioned as is a servant. If there's one thing that could be said about you, what would that be? When it comes to this church, when it comes to the ministry, what would people say about you? Oh, that's, oh, that's so-and-so. They're the, they're the only one complaining. Oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. They always come 20 minutes late, and we see the light shine through the back of the church, and we all look at them as they walk in. You know, we see that light, right? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's so-and-so. Yeah, they're, they're the one that's always spreading gossip. Is that how people see you? I hope not. I know that's not true for many of you here, but probably most of you. Amen. But let's go one step further. Do people say about you, oh, yeah. Yeah, that person is a servant. You need something, you call them up, they're there. Oh, yeah, when they come to their ministry, whether it's a small group, whether it's the crossover meeting, man, they come early. Oh, yeah, we need, we need, we need some extra uh, coffee right here. Man, call up so-and-so. They'll stop on the way. You see, are you a servant? 
or are you being served? Come on. Because if you're not the one setting up the cafe, if you're not the one coming early, if you're not the one staying late, if you're not the one in a ministry, then guess what? We're serving you. And do we do it with honor? Absolutely we do it with honor. And we don't want you to feel pressure, like especially those of you who are visiting, like somehow you're not a good person. No, no, we love you. But what we're inviting you to do, and we're inviting everybody here, is we're inviting you to become a servant. Because guess what? Right now, we've got just enough servants to reach this many people. But how are we going to reach hundreds of people? We need more servants. We need more Epaphrases who are going to say, Hey, Paul, I'm here at your behalf. Look at what it says. He says, A fellow servant, minister of Christ, faithful minister of Christ, on our behalf. Epaphras said, Man, Paul, I'm here to serve. Paul, I'm here for you. What do you need, Paul? Hey, worship band, what do you need? Hey, cafe, what do you need? Hey, small group, Carrasco's, what do you need? Youth meeting, hey, I'm a parent, what do you need? I'll help out. It's us going out of our way saying that we're servants. Now, I want you to see what happens when we stop bearing fruit in this area of our life. Now, we know the obvious thing. When, when someone's not patient, they're irritated, right? And that's in the character. And you can see that little fruit just, just withering away. But how do you know that someone's not being fruitful in the ministry? Look with me now to chapter 2 of Colossians, same, same book. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Now, he just said, now just to recap this, he said, you guys are now bearing fruit with all the other churches because the gospel bears fruit wherever it goes around the world. It's a fruitful ministry. He says, Epaphras is the one serving you, and he's doing awesome, and he's telling us about you. And now look at verse 6. So then, look at that. See, that's going to tell you something. He told you all of that, and you've got to read chapter 1 and 2 to get it, but he's given them all these instructions. Now look what he says. So then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of the world rather than Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and you've been given the fullness of Christ, who is the head and power over all authority. In Him you were circumcised, putting off the sinful nature, with, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, raised with Him through faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. What is He, what is he telling them here? Let's just keep going. He's telling them how awesome God is in them. But now go to verse 20. Um, 20. And you just got to read all this. It says, since you died with Christ. What did we do with Christ? We died. So we died to the basic principle of this world. Why as though you still belong to him? Are you obeying these rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These were all destined to perish because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulation indeed has an appearance of wisdom, but it's a self-imposed worship. There's false humility, harsh treatment of the body, but no real value in uh, restraining indulgences. Now just keep on going. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ who appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. 
Now he tells you to get rid of all these things. And now look at verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not embitter your children. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Do all of these things as unto the Lord. Masters, take care of your people. Now look at verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being thankful and wash, wash, uh, thank, watchful and thankful. Pray for us, too, that God may open the door. Why did I read all of this to you? Because this is what he's asking them to do now. Starting with chapter 2 and what I just read, he says, it's your turn now to be rooted and to start overflowing with good things. When are you going to start growing and affecting other people's lives? When are you going to bring your family into order, husbands obeying wives, wives and husbands loving children? Or are you going to let what happens right here, this is the key, and I read all of that really to say this, but I want you to see the context. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, the basic principle of this world, rather than Christ. See to it that no one takes you captive. Once again, does God, uh, the devil rather, does he mind a vine being in the tree? No, he can't stop you. He knows you have a free will. You choose God. But what does he want to stop you from doing, being fruitful? He wants to take a hold of your little vine and choke you out. And he wants to do it, here it is, through vain philosophy. Somebody might come and tell you, you can't do ministry. You can't help others. You can't serve in the ministry. You can't be fruitful. That is a lie. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do anything for God. And here's the thing. You have to get a passion for it. You have to want to touch the world. You have to want to do all these things. Do you want to pray? Do you want to crucify your flesh? Do you want to get out there and reach people? You know, look at chapter 4, verse 7. Now look at this guy, Tachachus, will tell you all the news about me, a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you. Now look at verse 10, my fellow prisoner, Articus sends you his greeting. Also does Mark, justice. All of these people are all ministers of God. He starts naming their names. Look at verse 14. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor. That's the one who wrote the book of Luke. Demas sends greetings. All of these people, look what he says. And to Nympha, the church in her house. And this letter has been read to you. See, it's also read in Laodicea. Look at verse 17. Tell Articapus, see that he completes the work. See to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. What does Paul want to tell this man? Complete the work you've received in the Lord. What's the whole point? I'm reading all this to you. It's time for us to grow up and do something for God. It's time for you to get out of stinking thinking, a bad attitude, and start helping other people. If you have a right heart and God begins to prune you and character begins to develop in you, you'll want to help people for God. Can you stand up with me today? If you believe it, can you say amen? Let me give you one more scripture. Just keep your Bibles open. Let's stand up. I know. We've had a long service, and I appreciate your patience. Just turn with me to Romans chapter 7, verse 4, as you're standing. Rachel, would you come, please? So much to be said on this subject, but I really want the point to be made. We're supposed to be fruitful. The details you can study at home. It's so beautiful, all the things you can learn about this. Romans 7, 4. If you're there, can you say, I'm there? So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might be long excuse me that you might belong to another to him who raised you from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to what to God so we've died in our flesh so we can bear fruit to who 
We learn that the deeds of the flesh are all this garbage, but we can bear fruit to God. And that's called the fruit of the what? Fruit of the Spirit. Colossians says, now to these guys, he says, now you be rooted and grounded so that you can pray. You can put your house in order. You can live right. Teach others to live right. Paul even says at the end of the letter, you can even pray for me. That's what Paul says. You have that much prayer. Do you all know that? Do you know that you can pray for me and affect me as a pastor? You can pray for these nations. Everybody, really, if you want to. Number one, how's your fruit in your character right now? If I had time to sit down with each and every one of you, I would go through that. And I would be honest with myself, too. I mean, there's no point in lying. How are you doing in love? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Let God keep pruning you. Let us open up our lives to God and say, Lord, I'm not here to complain. I think traffic is the, be- the biggest patience builder for me. Seriously. When I first came here, man, I was, my wife's like me too, you all heard that, right? I came here, I was laying on the horn, and I'm just going to tell you a good thing, you know? Dude, this is like a good thing. I, I don't get crazy anymore, okay? I got the Chicago lean, you know, I got my seat all the way back. And I'm just driving, and I'm going to tell my wife now a little bit. And, man, she will be next to me. She'll be like, what are you doing? Go around this guy. Honk. And I remember one time, I remember one time, and I'm not trying to make myself look better. You know, I'm just making an example, good and bad. This this is the time, you know, that I was good and you were bad. But most of the time, it's always Nancy good. It's always Nancy good and me bad. This is that one time. That's why i got to watch myself. got to make sure I'm not walking home, okay? Well, dude, one time there was this guy stopped in the middle of the road. And, like, I had to, like, pull around to me, like, one of those awkward things, you know, like in Fullerton where they're not supposed to be stopped. And I just see Nancy roll down her window and start yelling at the guy. Like, what are you doing? And I just thought to myself, I've never seen my boobster brew like that before. And she's confessed to me that's a struggle. How many, like, can understand with that? Something... Makes you impatient, maybe traffic, okay? But how do we become patient? What do we do? My wife and I, we were driving on our date night, and I just said, let's just chill, right? And she said, boy, you look so calm. And I said, you know what? We're not going to get there any faster. What difference does it make, you know? You know that's the way it is, right? I mean, you drive 500 miles an hour to go to that next stoplight and there's like 300 more down the road it's like what are we racing for that stoplight for you know loving enemies right we could talk about that and sometimes it's hard to love our enemies but why does god do this in us because he wants us fruitful and then what does our fruit do here's the here's the thing watch this here watch this here it is when we have good fruit or good roots good fruit it feeds others how do i do ministry as a pastor from the fruit that I have, I'm giving it to you now. I have love in my heart. Where did that come from? It came from God. I made a choice. Now I want to give that away. So my job is a pastor. So could you all enjoy the fruit today? Was it okay? A little fruity tooty? Fruity tooty, fresh and fruity, something like that. I have, you know what I'm talking about. Was it good? Now watch. Feed somebody today from your fruit. Feed somebody today from your fruit. Find somebody in your family. Find somebody at, at the job. Be patient with them. Be loving. Reach out. Find a ministry here in the church. If you haven't joined our discipleship class, join the discipleship class and start letting your fruit come out. This is fruit right here. Amen. Isn't that good fruit? That fruit flows. Amen. That fruit 
fruit flows from her heart for God. Bam, there it is. See, if Rachel wasn't living right, that would not be good fruit. We would just have an instrument. And I want to tell you something now. I know that her heart is so right before God. And all she has to do is play that right there, and I can feel Jesus. Right? I mean, you feel that's good fruit. And I wish I could talk about each one of you, but I just want to use a couple examples. For example, like Ricky. You, you want to sit down and get some advice? You sit down with Ricky. He starts to give you fruit. Right? You, maybe you're going through something. You want to sit down and get some good advice. Hey, Ricky, what do you think about this? He starts to give fruit. Why? Because it's grown in his life. Now it can touch people's lives. Same thing with, you know, Andrew back there in the sound, man. We love you, brother. That's good fruit. He's a fellow servant. See, we're all facing this way. He's in the back. See, nobody pays attention, right? Really, right? You shouldn't be, like, looking back, right? But this works because he does it. People listen to the messages because he does it. Right? All of this is in tune and right because he works. That's good fruit. We need that fruit. Amen? And now the question is, what's your fruit? What are you going to bring to us? We want to taste your fruit. Some of you are going to work with the children. You're going to work with my child back there. You're going to be holding my baby, and you're going to be loving my child while we're preaching in here. That's awesome fruit. Thank you for that. Some of you are going to come back tonight, crossover meeting, and, uh, you know, someone's going to ask you, hey, can you, can you help us put away the chairs? You're going to do that. That's going to be a place for you to start. And it's going to be an opportunity now for you to be unto God, the fruitful vine he wants you to be. Because if you can turn there, let's look at it in closing. In John 15, I know you're standing, but if you can put it up there as well. Look at what he says. Let me read the rest of it. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I am him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We all admit that. We can't do this without him. Verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. You do not want that. Amen? You do not want to be cut off, thrown away, withered, and put into the fire and burned. But verse 7. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Why? This is to show my Father. This is to my Father, and it will bring Him glory. It's my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciple. So when I'm fruitful, you know what Jesus gets? He gets honor from His Father. Think about that. When you and I are down here being the disciples that Christ called us to be, God the Father honors His Son. He says, bravo, Jesus. There's your, there's your disciples. I'm proud of you for raising them up on this earth. I want to make Jesus proud. I mean, I know He loves us no matter what, even if I got stinky, winky, and poopy in my pants, right? He loves us with our attitudes, our problems. You know, and I always love how people want to remind us of that, you know? Man, He loves me just the way I am, you know? Okay, that's great. We understand it. But how about us starting to honor Him with our love? How about we start to honor Him and show Him we love Him? I want to make Him proud. I want, I want Him to say of Metro Praise and the members here, Father, these are my best. They're fruitful. They're giving you glory. They're honoring me with their life. Like Colossians says, they died so that I could live in them. 
Now their roots run deep. And they have hope. And they have joy. And they're touching homes and lives. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, make us fruitful. If you want to be fruitful, just raise up your hand with me in an attitude of prayer as we close out. And just say, Lord, make me fruitful. God, make us fruitful. Bear fruit in our lives. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But with you, oh God, we can do all things. Come on, some of you right now, you might have got spoken to about attitudes or situations. Just say, Lord, bear fruit in me, patience, love, joy, whatever it is. Come on, there might be some of you saying, come on, God, I want to do something great for you. I want to serve others. Lord, make me a servant. Oh, Lord, let our fruit feed others. Oh, man, I just as we're praying right now, I hear that God is just speaking to many of you. You're going to open up your home. You're going to be hospitable. Some of you are going to join the youth team. Come on, I just hear in my heart today, there's new vision in here. Come on, it's time for some of you who have been sitting back to step up. Oh, God, do it, do it, do it. We want to bear fruit for the King. Just in an attitude of prayer while I was praying back there today, the Lord gave me a word, and if this is for you, I just want to encourage you. We're going to have a time to pray, but the Lord gave me this word for some that may be in your need. It really fits into what we're talking about today. In Psalm 73, the Bible says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. If you came here today and you feel like your heart and flesh are failing, you just are giving up, I want you to know that God says He's going to provide for you. He's going to provide for you. I just felt that today while I was praying in the back. If that's any of you here, just raise up your hands. I want to pray for you right where you are. Father, God bless them. Though my heart and flesh fail, my God is the strength of my life and portion forever. God, I pray for strength to come to those that may feel like everything they're trying to do is not working. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you came here and you want to accept Jesus into your heart, just come to this altar right now and just come to your knees and let's pray for you. Don't be ashamed. It doesn't matter if there's one or a hundred. Just come and ask God to forgive you.